Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. HudsonRiverRadio.com. It beats listening to nothing. It's frightening. Being frightened. The only way to be is frightened. Hello, everyone. Good evening. It's being frank where the only way to be is frank. I'm your host, Frank Lebono. It's Thursday evening, of course. We come to you live. We stream live every Thursday at 7.30 p.m. at HudsonRiverRadio.com, where Neil Richter is our engineer. He drives the bus. As I like to say, I'm kind of your tour guide, and our guests take us to our final destination, which is intelligent conversation. And I promise you'll have plenty of that tonight with our guests. It's going to be a fun show, I promise you. Again, I remind you, we are streaming live at HudsonRiverRadio.com, which comes out of Stony Point, New York. But remember, you can catch us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts, Apple, Spotify, etc., you can also watch us if you so choose. See how handsome I am? Of course, I got to throw that stupid line in every week, but why not? We have a little fun here as well. And you can do that by going to Twitch TV or Facebook. If you go to the HudsonRiverRadio.com Facebook site, you'll see all the links there under Being Frank. Click on one and uh, it'll take you streaming to us live, either by Twitch or on Facebook. And of course, at HudsonRiverRadio.com. Uh, you can also email me, email us at beingfrankhrr at gmail.com. That's one word, beingfrankhrr at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you, your comments, questions. And I have the browser open right now. If you want to ask some questions for this evening, you are certainly welcome to do so. We also ask you to try to become a sponsor. That helps us to keep this radio program going. Again, we have a great guest with you and a great topic. It's going to be TV, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And all three of those categories uh, seem to be in abundance uh, in today's television lineup. But before we get to that with our very special guest, I'd like to do our regular feature now that we begin our program with, which is my take, News Notes. And take the top five stories that's happening either to, or have happened either to today or in the past week. Number one on my list, and I'll read them off here. I have no teleprompter, guys, so I still do the old-fashioned thing and take notes. Those of you watching, I can hold up my notepad. Those of you listening, you'll have to take my word for it. Uh, one of the uh, top stories, Kansas women take charge. Uh, the uh, women of Kansas showed up in overwhelming amounts 
to vote down uh, a potential bill that would have heavily restricted their rights to choose, i.e. their rights to abortion. Uh, and uh, they overwhelmingly voted to reject that. Uh, and that's a very interesting thing to have happen and could be a bellwether for future elections as Kansas is a deep red state and they voted in a much more blue fashion, if you will. And again, I'm speaking to my to my uh, lady friends, if you will, all the women out there. You have the power. You've always had the power. There are more women than men. There are more women registered voters than there are men. So if you stick together and vote in your own best interests, you cannot be beaten. And that was shown very clearly in that uh, Kansas vote. Uh, the next on my list is the Senate finally passed the Burn Pit Vet Bill, Veterans Bill. If you uh, give you a brief synopsis of that, many veterans were suffering from a myriad of ailments uh, because of their proximity to the so-called burn pits, particularly overseas. Uh, when these uh, outfits, military outfits, have to dispose of their garbage, it's not like a garbage truck comes and hauls it away to a nice landfill. They dig these large pits. They throw the garbage in, which includes everything, I believe, from medical waste to old uniforms and what have you, or some gasoline or diesel fuel on it, whatever they may burn, and they burn them. Obviously, the fumes from that are incredibly toxic and have caused serious health issues in many of our veterans. Well, a bill was put before the Senate to appropriate uh, literally <clears throat> hundreds of millions of dollars to uh, alleviate their suffering. And it was voted down last week primarily by Republicans who would not uh, vote for it. There were 17 in particular which stalled the bill. And much through the efforts of John Stewart, um, who is a, a comedian, but that, that's really a misnomer. He's very much become a, an activist, uh, shamed them basically into taking a new vote and it passed. So we will be able to take care of our veterans, at least in the situation of the so-called burn pit uh, catastrophe. Uh, the next in the line, and that was also breaking tonight, Alex Jones, next to his name, I just wrote the word karma. Uh, because Alex Jones, who destroyed people with his podcast and his big mouth, is now being destroyed in a courtroom by the truth. Uh, and insofar as his lawyers actually uh, supposedly made a mistake, some people said accidentally on purpose, sent all of his emails and texts to the plaintiff's attorneys. Now, if you remember, Alex Jones the reason he's in court right now, let me clarify, was because uh, he's being sued by the parents of uh, the children murdered at Sandy Hook Elementary School, which, by the way, I happen to cover and was the worst assignment I ever had because of the emotional depth of what went on there. But anyway, uh, Mr. Conspiracy Theorist uh, was saying that it was a staged event, that uh, uh, it was a big conspiracy by liberals, to try to make the gun lobby look bad, et cetera, et cetera. So you can imagine the pain and angst that he caused uh, these parents. Well, uh, they're going to have the last laugh. And as a matter of fact, uh, a jury awarded $4.1 million to one of the Sandy Hook families. And that's just the beginning. Uh, tomorrow will be the punitive phase and uh, hundreds of thousands, potentially tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of more in damages might be awarded tomorrow. Uh, that's 
uh, number three. Number four, Brittany Griner, uh, the American basketball star who has been held in Russia on basically bogus charges uh, for a couple of empty vape canisters, which here in this country is uh, nothing as it should have been, uh, received a nine-year sentence in a Russian prison. That's absurd, folks, absolutely absurd. Whether you think the United States is doing enough to get her back, that's a debate for another day. But the fact that the Russians actually sentenced this poor woman to nine years in prison for some empty vape, vape cartridges, we know where that's coming from. That's a political move. They're trying to punish the United States through punishing that poor woman. But uh, we haven't heard the last of that yet. Uh, and the last on my list is monkeypox, which uh, is raging right now. Uh, the United States is the epicenter, and New York in particular, and California right behind, uh, so much so that the uh, Biden administration just declared it a public health emergency, which will help to release funds so that more vaccines could be produced and get gotten into the communities where they're needed most. However, I want to add to that also, guys, personal and guys, when I say guys, I mean that in the general term, uh, even though it, it, it affects greatly about 99% of the cases are gay or, or bisexual men, uh, it's important right now to have personal responsibility. It always is. It is for everyone, okay? We need to practice safe sex. Uh, that's always been important. And it is important, and it's particularly so now. So protect yourselves, everyone. It's always a good idea to, uh, and, and I'm getting into tremendous detail because that's not what the show is about. But have personal responsibility, practice safe sex, get your vaccines, and we'll get through this together. Okay, so let's back, get back into our topic. Our guest is here. He's one of my favorites. He's my go-to media guy, and he's going to help us talk about TV the good, the bad, and the ugly. He's my uh, Fordham colleague, uh, Professor Dr. Paul Levinson. Paul, thank you so much for joining us. Hot out of the classroom. I was dancing a little fast there so you could get some time to get on the air with us. Welcome, you're here. My pleasure, you're a very good dancer, by the way. I was uh, enjoying your talk. I hope so. I was, I was babbling on, waiting for your appearance. And oh, then no, once I saw you, I could wrap up, which I'm sure my listeners and viewers were glad to have happen. Uh, before we get into uh, our discussion, I just wanted to mention one of our, the passing of one of our uh, legendary colleagues, Vince Scully, who was a Fordham graduate and uh, was a, a mover and shaker, uh, certainly a legendary figure in the world of sports journalism and sports broadcasting. Some of your thoughts on, on uh, Vince Scully, please. Well, he was, uh, you know, there are literally a handful of people. Phil Rizzuto is another one. And uh, Vince Scully, yeah, the scooter. But I mean, Scully had a voice like magic, it, 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 just like that deep, resonant uh, voice. I didn't hold it against him that he uh, often announced for Los Angeles uh, team as he did for so many years. It was just always a pleasure. Uh, to hear him. And I have to say, you know, apropos my thoughts, I, we haven't talked about this before. There's only one sport, to tell you the truth, that I really care about, and that's baseball. I, I, I have zero interest in football, basketball, and not only that, the only team I've ever rooted for are the New York Yankees. Years ago, apropos of Scully and Los Angeles, when 
uh, the Dodgers were still in Brooklyn. My father, may he rest in peace, was a devout Dodgers fan. And he said uh, to me, how come, uh, you, you know, you're a Yankee fan? We were already living in the Bronx. You know, don't you think the Dodgers have more soul? And I said, I was a little kid. I said, Dad, I don't care about soul. I like the Yankees because they win. <laughs> and you know, I was like five years old. I sounded like Trump then. I didn't even realize that. But uh, so, yeah. Another story for another day. One of the things that also nice about Vince Scully is uh, people spoke so well of him. Uh, colleagues, uh, students, uh, co-workers, etc., always said that he was a genuine, generous, genuine human being, and that that always that always counts for most, I think, in the end. That's absolutely right. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into our topic: TV, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, my first question for you, Professor. Okay, what makes a good TV show, in your mind? Well, that's a very, very good question. You know, TV is something which is easy to take for granted because it's there. You know, you're not paying money for it directly, you know, as you do when you go out to see a movie and or even you might be subscribing to a cable station. But once you pay that subscription price, you're not paying usually for that show per se. So we tend to watch television in a slightly lackadaisical, you know, different way than we might see a movie where we're paying much more attention to it. So what makes a television show memorable is it breaks through that screen and it touches us, it affects us. You know, they used to talk about conversations you had at the water cooler they do have water coolers, by the way, in Fordham, right? So we have conversations like that there too. But the point is, what you saw on television affected you so much that not only did you want to talk about it with your family, you wanted to talk about it with your friends, you wanted to talk about it with your colleagues at work. And of course, once the internet came along, that was a great boon for television because people then like to talk about it to their friends online. And as you well know, there are groups on Facebook that are devoted towards this television show or that television show. You run into people who've seen every single show, know what every character was wearing. So I, I have to tell you, I have always been a great champion of television. I wrote a paper back in the early 1980s called The Benefits of Watching Television. And I used to give it at academic conferences and people thought I was crazy. Because, you know, the academic, you know, stance on television is, oh, you know, uh, it's taking kids away from books. You know, they're going to get stupid. By the way, a survey in the 1980s showed there were a higher number of kids who were literate than the equivalent survey that was done in the same place in Indiana in 1946 or something. So 40 years after television was introduced, literacy had increased, not decreased. So, so with with that in mind, then uh, Paul, uh, TV has evolved. There's there's no question about it. Uh, technique, uh, technology, uh, culture have all influenced television. 
so with that in mind, is there an era that uh, of television that might be considered a golden era where kind of everything came together, where it was making such an impact on our lives that it could not be ignored? Is there such a thing as the golden age of television? Is it now? Well, uh, yes, there are. there is such a thing as a golden age. In fact, there are three of them in the history of television. Back in the 1950s, that was the first golden age. Playhouse 90 was on CBS, it was live, you know, Broadway plays. You had, it was the year of the great Westerns, Gunsmoke, Have Gun, Will Travel, Cheyenne, Rifleman, Wagon Train. There were, there were great detective shows like Dragnet. It was also the beginning of people really paying attention to news. Douglas Edwards in the news on CBS. It was the beginning of late night television. Not yet Johnny Carson, but, but earlier, you know, people on NBC and then CBS. So all the things that we would come to really value on television began then. Some of them were adopted from radio. So there were soap operas on radio. There were mystery shows on radio back in the 30s and 40s. There were comedy shows on radio, like Jack Benny began on radio. and By the 50s, he was on television. So it's not that television invented all of that, but they provided a great place for it to happen. And I remember as clear as day, again, my father, I was just a little kid. And I remember he bought a new television set and he came home, he was like so happy. And, and so he, our whole family, we'd watch television every night. And again, uh, you know, a lot of people in the academic world would have said, oh my God, Levinson's brain is gonna be destroyed by that. But as far as I know, it's not destroyed, but who knows? Not completely yet at this point. <laughs> well, that was the first year you mentioned there were three. What yeah. are the other two? Good. So that was broadcast television. The, the next golden age of television came about when cable became a truly original mode of television presentation. Cable started, a lot of people don't know this, cable started back in the 1950s in places like Pennsylvania, State College, Pennsylvania in particular. So in the middle of Pennsylvania, the signals of television, broadcast television were too weak from either Philadelphia or Pittsburgh to reach the people in State College. So someone had the great idea of lay down a cable and the people in State College can see it that way. It took until the 1980s for a cable to become the unique television format that it then developed into in a very big way. It started out with news like CNN, then HBO, you know, showing movies. But the key turning point in which cable emerged as the second golden age would be with the Sopranos on HBO in the late 1990s. And pretty soon you had The Wire and you had all kinds of great shows on television. Uh, in fact, those two shows are among the best television shows uh, ever done. We're going to talk about that. We have a yeah, list yeah. of right. the best in the world. Right. We'll okay. get to that after we'll the break. That Don't give anything away yet. Right. Yeah, we're, right. we're, we're hooking our audience here, Paul. Okay. we got to wait till right. after the commercial break. We'll get to that, but please continue. Okay. <laughs> so now, what's the third golden age? Well, the third golden age 
began with, I just actually a couple of days ago finally got around to seeing the final season of Peaky Blinders on Netflix. Uh, Peaky Blinders was one of the first streaming shows on Netflix. I wanted to talk about streaming. Yeah, and I saw that, that's right. It was before I even had a smart television. So I saw the first season of Peaky Blinders on my laptop. And also up there was House of Cards. That was a great political drama. And so w what then happened, beginning like, you know, 2012, 2013, 2014, by 2015, it was really big time. That was, in my view, the beginning of the third golden age of television, which we're now in, where if you want to see the very best that television has to offer, you go to Netflix, you go to Prime Video, that's Amazon service, you go to Paramount Plus, you go to Hulu, even though I don't like the fact that Hulu banned political ads, we can talk about that later, but uh, the, the, that is really the cutting edge now of television. Well, it's, you know, it's interesting, Paul, and it brings me to, you know, I wanted to talk about streaming. Uh, we tend, especially people of our age and our era, uh, you know, broadcast television, even, which isn't even cable. Uh, and I remember at times being in the cable industry and the engineers would correct you, similar to what truck drivers say, they never put gas in their truck, they put fuel in their truck because it's a key difference. And uh, the engineers used to say, we're not broadcasting, it's narrow casting. Okay, so so the, the terminology and, and the, the ability to deliver the signal, if you will, changes, but that also then kind of changes the content, if you will. So now that people have more choice, uh, involved, so so ultimately, you then you see streaming as as a good thing, then oh. as as something that's that that can work for for people. Yes, and here's why: each of these golden ages had unique characteristics, which continue. So broadcast media, for all its magic, and and this goes back to the golden age of the first golden age of television. It was what is now referred to as television by appointment, meaning you had to make a decision. I'm going to watch, when is Gunsmoke on? You know, <laughs> you know nine o'clock, you know, Tuesday night. Okay, I watch it. When is the Ed Sullivan show on? I want to see the Beatles. Okay, like eight o'clock on Sunday. And initially, you know, back then in that golden age, if you were doing something else, then you were out of luck. I mean, maybe if you waited until the summer, you'd see it in a rerun. Television back then was then, although the broadcast was very wide, the choices that the viewer had were incredibly limited. That began to get better with VCRs uh, in the uh, 1980s, where you could at least record a television show and see it later. But what cable did is, it revolutionized that uh, straitjacket of broadcast television because one good thing about cable is you didn't have, it, it might have been shown for the first time on Sunday night, but if you missed The Sopranos on Sunday night, hey, it was rebroadcast on Tuesday night, on Thursday night. They did that because they didn't have that much content and they wanted to make it available to the people, but it liberated the people. Now, streaming is even more revolutionary because in most cases, if you want to see a show like Peaky Blinders, they're all up at once. 
And I remember the first time I saw House of Cards, the first season, I couldn't believe it. I was able to just sit there within a day or two and watch every single episode of the first season of House of Cards. And I realized that what streaming television had done is it turned the television show into a book in the best possible way. Meaning, if you are reading a book, no one tells you when you can read the next chapter. That's up to you. Yeah, you don't have to wait. Okay, so you, you, you enjoyed the first chapter. You're not going to be able to see, read the second chapter until next week. That's crazy. So Cable made that a little better, but streaming said, hey, you can read the whole book if you want in one sitting. Well, it's a perfect time to plug Being Frank, which is streamed <laughs> live every 7.30, but it's archived. It's very interesting. We take advantage, if you will, <clears throat> certainly, excuse me, uh, of streaming. So we encourage people to join us live so they can participate, send us messages. And remember, you can at beingfrankhrr at gmail.com. So we have that immediacy. But also people and people, I do get feedback, say, hey, I didn't catch you last night, but I was making breakfast or whatever, and I had you guys on in the background, etc." which is wonderful for us and as I said, also for, for, for people, for the consumers. They consume if and when they are ready to consume. So that's a positive thing. I want to talk a little bit about, though, uh, Paul, before we go to break, and, and we're going to read some of the, our viewer comments, and then we're going to get our list of the best and worst, uh, which is well truncated. Uh, but what, you know, content uh, now, it, it, there, the, the, and again, the good, the bad, and the ugly, I think, is, is carried in the content. Some of the good things that I see in current TV shows in terms of content is the amount of inclusion and diversity has increased greatly. And the choice of programming that you have, not only within a program, but programs themselves, it can be almost any uh, culture, uh, sexual orientation, etc anything from mixed race couples to gay couples. It, it's commonplace where years ago, and I think about the, with the passing of Nichelle Nichols, the great kiss, if you will, in, in Star Trek and how revolutionary now that was now, it's like yawn, yawn later, later for that. That's on the upside, but on the downside, the bad, if you will, a lot more violence, it seems to me. There seems to be more violent programming in modern television than there was in the past. Not that, as you mentioned, there were there were cop shows and everything, but it was always seeming a little bit more stylized, a little bit more glossed over, you will. Where here, we're much more into the ultra violence. And then the, the the truly ugly to me is the vapid reality show world of just mindless people that that I don't care about while I'm watching them and certainly don't want to know more about them in the future. So how do you see the balance in today's modern programming, Paul? Well, I think the most important positive aspect of modern programming is choice. There are now so many different sources of television programming that if you don't like the violence in a particular show so you can easily watch something else and that's also a very very important change from the early days of television where with the, the three networks you didn't really have too much of a choice you were stuck with whatever you got fortunately a lot of it was good some of it was boring um, but when we talk about excessive violence this is an important point to make and we could devote a whole show on this 
um, your listeners and viewers should know that there is not a scintilla of reliable evidence that uh, in any way proves or demonstrates that watching a violent movie or a violent television show translates into violence enacted in the real world. And, you know, I sort of get my hackles up when I hear anything like that, because the NRA loves to blame these horrible shootings on like why, you know, kids playing violent video games, nonsense. The, the, there is no valid, no, no evidence at all. You want to stop violence, re reduce the number of weapons that are out there. If somebody gets a kick out of seeing something violent on television, good. Freudian psychology, we even say that's a catharsis. They get it out of their system in, in that representative way, not in terms of political representation, but they're seeing something that represents what they're feeling, and that's where it ends. And I, so I have no problem with violence on television. I do think it's great that there's more diversity on television, for sure. Paul, we've got to go for a quick break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to do our infamous, hopefully it'll be <laughs> an infamous, good, good for ratings, I guess, because that's the bottom line. Ultimately, I guess, if you want to keep going, you have to have somebody interested in what you have to say. <laughs> but but uh, we'll, so we'll take a quick break. Let's remind everybody you're watching Being Frank. I'm your host, Frank Lebono, my guest, Professor Paul Levinson, our topic TV, the good, the bad, and the ugly. After the break, we come back. I have a couple of comments that I would like to read that we got from a few listeners. And then we're going to present our top five best and worst TV programs of all time. So don't go away. We'll have a lot more fun right after this brief commercial message. HudsonRiverRadio.com Hi, this is Mercedes Kent. And Big Jim Wheeler, and we're on the silver screen. And we're going to be talking about show business, movies, and TV. Well, just about anything you want to hear. The silver screen. Right here on HudsonRiverRadio.com. Entertainment ensues. Subscribe to the silver screen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, or wherever you get your podcasts. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Linda Zimmerman. Join Michael Warden and me for Murder in the Hudson Valley. We'll look into notorious homicide cases from around the region and follow the case from the moment the crime scene is discovered up to the final verdict. We'll discuss the suspects, evidence, forensic techniques, and legal battles used to identify and convict the guilty. Murder in the Hudson Valley, only on HudsonRiverRadio.com. Subscribe to Murder in the Hudson Valley on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, or wherever you get your podcasts. HudsonRiverRadio.com home to your favorite local shows like UFO Headquarters, Let's Talk History, and Paranormally Yours. Catch them live and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite streaming app. HudsonRiverRadio.com, your local Rockland County station. This is HudsonRiverRadio.com, your local Rockland County station. And this is Being Frank, where the only way to be is Frank. I'm your host, Frank Labona. We're streaming live Thursday. The 4th of August, a blisteringly hot night and a blisteringly hot summer. And we've got a hot topic with my guest, Paul Levinson. We're talking TV, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And as promised, we have some, uh, we have some questions and comments from viewer listeners. And then we're going to give our list. Paul and I will give our list of the best and worst TV shows of all time, in our opinion, at least anyway. Hopefully, you'll have uh, an opinion as well. Okay, here's one that comes from Ian. Uh, and he says, having been a movie director who was inspired in the 80s and 90s with some of the best films ever made, I often wondered would I feel the same sense of awe and calling to be a filmmaker where I grew up in today's generation? Likely not. I appreciate how much effort went into creating uh, realistic of optical effects back then. Today, it's just too expensive to do that when the same effects can be done with a computer. So uh, I think an interesting quote there, Paul. What are you? What are your feelings on, on that? You, you know, the the days of uh, I, I remember Harry uh, Harry Harryhausen. Excuse me, the great special effects used to do the miniatures and stuff. I got such a kick out of that as a kid. Now everything has become CGI, so it's a little bit different. I'm by and large a fan of all of these modern developments. I I think they look good on the screen and i think they they tell a story very convincingly i will say i every this gets back again to what we were saying about golden ages every era has its own way of doing things and uh once you know about how things happen it's fun to watch the the presentation just from the point of view of well how did the cgi work here but how did you know uh how lloyd managed to dangle off that building just holding on wherever <laughs> I, 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 I guess the clock guy was holding on to one of the the hour handle and so on but um so therefore i i enjoy all areas of television and i'm i'm happy with all that stuff we have another quote uh one that uh, <laughs> it's fun and i happen to agree with from diane s and she says reality tv is the death knell of civilization, uh, strong, strong comment. 
and I think we'll find interesting when we get to the best of and worst of. One of my best of is uh, a reality TV show, but I've got a couple of the worst ofs are also reality TV shows. So they can kind of run the gamut. But there seems to be a plethora of, of them, and uh, particularly those of what I seem to be of a more vapid nature, the, the uh, uh, Big Brother, the uh, Jersey Shore type things, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. I think, and that's the sense that she's made the TV reality shows. And there seems to be an awful lot of them today, Paul. Any, any reason why in your mind there seems to be so many of those? Well, the reason is a lot of people don't agree uh, with what you and Diane said, and I, I agree with you, but a lot of people love those shows. But let me just say about reality television, I agree that they're by and large not worth watching, they're vapid, and you know they, they, they really have very little value. But I, on the other hand, um, I have been hearing now for 20 or more years that, oh my God, reality television is destroying television, is the death knell of television. As a matter of fact, some of the best television that's ever been done has been done in the era of reality television, not reality television, carefully scripted, brilliantly produced and acted dramas and comedies as well. And so I don't look at reality television as, oh my God, you know, beware of this dangerous, you know, kind of television that's going to take down all of television and be the end of civilization as we know it. One of the things that I think, and as a production guy, you know, who was involved in, in creating the TV program, I want programming I was for a while, I'm sure part of it is, is cost. It's easier, it's cheaper to do reality TV shows. Not that it's cheap, it's cheaper. But you mentioned, you know, well-scripted, well-shot, well-acted dramas. They're expensive. They take a long time to produce and they're expensive to produce. Where reality TV shows can be multiple cameras. And, and again, they're, they're not necessarily cheap, but they are cheaper and they are easier in the long run to produce. So in that sense, as long as they sell, makes money for their producers. Yeah, that's right. Ultimately. All right, it's time for the big list. <laughs> Here we go, the top five, best <laughs> and worst. Why don't you start with uh, your first? Do you want to go best or worst? Uh, which one do you want to start with, Paul? And, and I'll counter with mine. Uh, I, I will go, well, while we do... The number five best, number five worst together, and then we'll proceed to four, three, two, and we'll each do those two. Does that make sense to you? Uh, let's All go. Right. The reason why Have I want to do that is, believe it or not, my number five television show, the best uh, on, on that uh, scorecard, is exactly the same as my number five worst television show. And here's why. My number five best television show is Lost. It was a great science fiction show. It also introduced a really good technique where they gave the backstories. Here, a bunch of these people were stranded on this island. You didn't know what was going on. And then in every show, you would see what they were doing three years earlier before their plane went off course and crash landed on this island. And it was a fascinating narrative technique. 
So I, I really love that part of it. It would have been maybe even higher up on my list. Instead, it's also number five on my worst list because it had the worst god-awful finale episode of all time. <laughs> it was, I, it was, I, I don't even want to even say what it was. Uh, if, if anybody has seen that, they'll know what I'm talking about. It undermined the whole show. It, it was just an idiotic finale. And so for that reason, it's number five on my worst list. Interesting. All right, I'll do, and mine aren't necessarily a strong order. It's kind of a little bit of an order, right? especially with so many, and many making the honorable mention list. Uh, but this one will be a little controversial, but I think I'll have some fun with it. Uh, for the best, number five, I have South Park. Uh, and the reason I put South Park there and it's going to drive my girlfriend crazy because she hates it, as most women tend to. But for me, Paul, it's one of the best satires on television. It's true cartooning. And if people will recall, cartooning was eventually made as kind of a nice thing for kids. But true political cartooning, et cetera, was made to, 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 for a purpose. And it was to exaggerate often realities but to a point to open discussion. And I don't certainly don't agree with all of the take that South Park has, but I love the fact that they poke a lot of people in the eye, if you will, and they get you thinking uh, in a way that's safe, if you will. They're kids, they're cartoon kids, et cetera. So that's uh, one of, I think, one of the best shows, certainly right now, uh, because of uh, its satirical nature, and that's strong. For, for my worst, and you'll see, you'll, you're going to get a healthy dose of reality TV shows here, which just drive me crazy. And one of them that just absolutely is Chris Lee Knows Best. First of all, I see from you, you probably don't even know who it is. Who the hell is Chris Lee, and who cares whether he knows best or not? And it's this Southern family reality thing of, it's hard to even explain, if you will, uh, that it takes any shape or form of a TV show because it's uh, it's just idiotic and and the the people don't they don't want me to care about them and I and I don't if that's if that's their point they did make their point I don't care about them so that's my five best and worst all right let's go to number four you're up Paul all right number four so uh, you know you mentioned South Park and of course Family Guy is another great cartoon show. That's though not number five, but I mentioned that because Seth MacFarlane put together a show called The Orville, which originally was supposed to be like a satire of Star Trek. And yeah. the truth is for the first two years, it was good. I was laughing and it had some good stories in there, but I, I have to tell you this third year where it moved from Fox to Hulu, the Orville has been unbelievable. It's just gotten better and better. A brilliant time travel story, brilliantly handling robots and artificial intelligence, self-sacrifice, literally bringing in 20th century music into this show that takes place hundreds of years into the future. Dolly Parton was a guest on that, uh, on one of the episodes. And just last week, they had a great episode in which two of the characters were singing the, the, the Simon and Garfunkel song, Flowers Never Bend with the Rainfall. And it worked beautifully in the context. So I highly recommend it. This show is a, a winner. 
Now, my worst in fourth place, this is going to be to some extent not one show. I'm going to say this is though true. All Academy Award shows, all the Oscars, in my view, are fourth place for the worst show. I agree. This past year's show is a complete travesty, of course, with Will Smith, you know, jumping up on the stage and slapping Chris Rock. Why didn't they send, you know, some security people in a hall? You know, you talk about a, a bad example. You know, okay, uh, Chris Rock made a tasteless joke about... Uh, the, the guy's wife, but don't run up there and slap him. But that's not the reason why I put it in fourth place. I, I don't know about you and our listeners and viewers. I'm disappointed every year. They overlook the best movies. They overlook the best actors and actresses. They overlook the best script. Occasionally, they get the best song right. The, their choices, I don't know who votes for them. You have to be a member of the Academy. I don't know where their heads are, but they make for really atrocious choices. All right, we got to keep moving, Paul. I'm looking okay. at my time, so yeah, we'll yeah, we'll okay. we'll do the we'll do the the, the brief synopsis for for for, okay. for for me uh, and best is a, a re and again in fairness a reality TV show, but a different kind of reality. The first forty eight, which follows homicide detectives uh, through the first forty eight hours of their investigation, which is the key. If they don't solve within the first forty eight hours, their chances of solving it at all go down greatly. The reason I think it's so powerful as a reality show is it is so real and it brings home the tremendous effect that violence has not only on victims, but perpetrators and their families. Uh, and it also shows what I think uh, and it's important to show the, the in, in, in a good light, the, the homicide detectives seek justice for their victims, uh, for the victims. Um, no matter what, it doesn't matter whether uh, someone was a prostitute or whatever killed on the street. To them, it doesn't matter, and I think that comes through very clearly in the program. Uh, for for my worst, uh, anything housewives. Okay, housewives. Name the city, Atlanta, New York, et cetera, et cetera. Vapid crap. Let me say it in plain English nonsensical stuff and i know some people even my mother and sister watch mob housewives of new jersey or whatever the title was for escapism okay i'll give them that much but for the rest of it it's just mindless crap that i think uh people then uh, tend to stereotype uh others you know, for example and we'll get into it what let me leave it at that because I want to move it along. I've got others that will, will take along that. So we're down to number three. I'm keeping an eye on the clock. we got to keep moving, Paul. Go give me number three. Curb your enthusiasm. Uh, Larry David, absolutely hilarious. He thinks exactly the way I do. He's always putting his foot in his mouth. He's always, whatever he thinks is what he says. He doesn't take any, even the slightest insult without making a big deal of it. It's hilarious. My worst, again, this is like a blanket thing, anything on Fox News. They're a fascist station. They're a disgrace to news. I wrote a letter, but nobody's paid any attention to the Federal Trade Commission. They should revoke their license for false advertising. They're not a news station. They're a vehicle of Trumpist propaganda. Uh, um, well, uh, I'm going to have to agree with you on it because that's number three on my list. Oh. Anything Fox. So we finally hit one right on. But we'll get we'll get to that in a second. I, my best, 
at number three is 60 Minutes, which is the longest running news magazine show on television. Uh, it's enormously successful. It's even financially successful, which is very rare for, for a TV news program. But they they do groundbreaking coverage. It's true journalism. Uh, it's the best. They have the best photographers, the best editors, etc. So for delivering news and important stories uh, that have impact on uh, not only our lives but the world uh, in general, uh, it, it's sixty minutes for me. Okay, so moving right along now. Keep an eye on the clock. Yep. Number two, we're down to number two. Number two, all in the family. You were talking about inclusiveness. This was a sitcom, Archie Bunker. What it did is it lambasted this racist Archie Bunker. Yeah, he was lovable, but we were laughing at him because he was a racist. And I think that was a wonderful tonic for America. It was a very, very funny show. Um, that's uh, all in the family number two best. Uh, number two worst, the original Battlestar Galactica, not the Ronald D. Moore remake. The original is like a piece of garbage. I mean, it, it, maybe it gave more an idea of how to do it right, but it was, it was a travesty of a science fiction series with no depth whatsoever. Okay, so I'm moving right along now for my number two, and I think you'll appreciate this one. And I try to get a little, a little controversy. I thought some, there's so many good, there's so many bad, but to have a little fun with, and I'm sure you're going to appreciate this one, Star Trek, uh, which was groundbreaking in its day, uh, not only for the idea of, of its uh, futuristic look, the idea that man can expand the universe, uh, that was also a metaphor. It was both physically through their starships, but also mentally. They were looking to expand. And we talked a little bit earlier with the passing of Michelle Nichols, who was a wonderful black woman, powerful black woman character, virtually unheard of on television at that time. They talked, uh, they crossed racial lines again there with the famous uh, kiss between uh, uh, Nichols and uh, Captain Kirk. Uh, at the time, so a groundbreaking, uh, groundbreaking TV show that I have at number two. My number two uh, worst is anything Kardashian, anything, uh, keeping up with them, any knockoff, any spinoff, have anything to do with Kardashians. Again, people who I don't care about, don't want to care about. I mean, in a cool way, I just don't care. They offer me nothing. They have a lifestyle that I can never relate to, would never relate to. And uh, I feel it a, a huge waste of time. So that's my number two. We're there. We've got a few more minutes. Da -da 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 -da. Let's, let's make it dramatic. Where are we at with number one? All right. Well, number one, you'll be happy to hear my number one show is Star Trek, the original series. Yeah, you know, it, I one of the things I've written a lot about is why haven't we gone further out into space in reality? And it, it's gonna, it's an interesting thing to think. We we reached the moon in you know 1969, and uh, then we haven't gotten any further. The show, the television that has kept the dream of human beings going out into space. No show has done it more than the original Star Trek and everything that that led to, including, by the way, the Orville, including Star Trek The Next Generation, including Star Trek Deep Space Nine, including, uh, there was a whole bunch of brand new Star Trek. Uh, my favorite, I guess, would be uh, 
Star Trek. I can never remember the name. The one star with where Captain Pike plays. Uh, uh, yes, the, yes. Role. I mean, bring character. him back. Yes. Yeah. So uh, I I just love Star Trek, and I think it's it's really changed the world, and is continuing to change the world. My number one choice for the list: The Apprentice uh, with with Donald Trump. Look, I couldn't stand him back then. I missed that and, one. Yeah, he was an arrogant SOB. I mean, in a way, I wish he would have stayed and continued doing that. But, th you know, in a way, if you look back at that show, it's a blueprint for, you know, what he would do as president. Somebody who is above it all. He makes whatever decisions he damn pleases. And you don't like it too bad. The complete antithesis of what a president should be in a democracy. Great. Okay. Excellent. And I'll give you here my, my number one, and I think one that you'll appreciate. And again, I thought it was a little offbeat. The Twilight Zone. Uh, I, I love Rod Serling's writing, not only for that TV series in general. Uh, a brilliant man, a brilliant writer, a progressive, an activist. And again, also early on took on many topics uh, that were uh, shied away from by other TV programs. Brilliant writing, but also brilliant um, production, if you will. Uh, well staged, well acted. It was just such a well put together program. Very uh, intriguing, uh, challenging, uh, and also very rewarding. So that's number one on my list for best. And the worst uh, is one that I take personally, Jersey Shore. As uh, an Italian-American kid from New Jersey, it insults my intelligence that the rest of the world thinks that most Italian Americans from New Jersey are like these idiots on the show. So I took that one very personally as the worst television show of all time. Paul, we're just about out of time. I hate to rush, but I want to get to a little bit of music from some friends. So I want to Thank you for a, a great program. It was great fun. You're always welcome. I know you're teaching in, on Thursday nights in the fall. I'm teaching on Wednesday nights. I kept my Thursday open. But we'll do some pre-recorded stuff. You'll be back again. You're, you're, you're my, one of my favorite guests. Oh, well, thank you. I'll just say one last thing. Submit it to your approval. You made my point. Thanks very much. And of course, thanks to our viewers and listeners. This is being Frank. I'm your host, Frank Lebrono. Don't go anywhere yet. We've got a few minutes before Alex and Scott take over with the uh, uh, Hudson Valley Jam. I want to leave you one of our uh, one of my quotes. Uh, it's from Eleanor Roosevelt. Before we get to our closing music, no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. Think about that, folks. That's power. I'm going to leave you with some music with my favorite, one of my favorite bands, Mystery Mouse, featuring Michelle Solomon and David Fry. They're absolutely terrific. Check them out. I'm Frank Lebono, your host for Being Frank. Thanks to Neil Richter and our studio in Stony Point for driving the bus. And we'll see all you guys next Thursday.
still rolling. Okay.